Hello. If you are still standing, please take a seat. We're going to get started in a few minutes. So thank you for coming to the first ever Napa City Council debate hosted by the Associated Students of Napa Valley College. We're going to start off the evening with the national anthem, and following that will be a moment of silence for the executive director of Pathway, Pathway Home, Christine Lober, the clinical director, Jennifer Golick, the clinical psychologist, Jennifer Gonzalez, and for those people who knew them and loved them, for those who are still struggling to recover, and for all the victims of less publicized acts of violence that plague our communities every single day. And singing our national anthem this evening is Zach Fenny, accompanied by Professor Osten. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we'd hailed at the twilight's last gleam, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight o'er the ramparts we'd watch were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star-spangled banner yet We will now observe a moment of silence. Thank you. All right. Who here is 18 to 24? Please raise your hand. All right. This was a thank you for coming out. It's a big, I'm really happy. We often hear that our age group doesn't vote, so you coming out, getting more involved is very heartwarming. Good evening. My name is Manveer Sandhu, and I'm the student trustee for Napa Valley College. Before I begin my opening remarks, I want to point out that the emergency exits are the same doors you entered from, and the bathrooms are when you entered the main building on the right-hand side. It's where the restrooms are. Every four years, there was a presidential election, and it gets a massive amount of coverage. But how much does a presidential election affect your daily life? What does affect you directly is who your council member is. City council has jurisdiction over an entire city. For example, if they wanted, they could impose a curfew on the entire city or make it a fine to walk with your right foot on, right shoe. I know these are extreme examples, but I want you to understand the power that lies in city council. We live in a country that gives us all a way to be involved with how our nation operates and that is by voting. 
Unfortunately, we aren't very good at it. A good example to show where we stand as a nation in voting would be to compare it to a student exam. If a student gets an F on a test, we tell them, study better, read the chapter again, make notes, and even make a flashcard to take on the day of the test. And we tell them all of this because an F is not passing, it is far below average. Our voting average as a nation is an F, and for some reason we are complacent. That must change. As a society, we all must hold ourselves accountable and read what is on the ballot, read who the candidates are, and study the effects of a ballot measure, such as Measure C and Measure D. How many parents are in you tonight? Raise your hand, how many parents? All right. How can I expect you to be civically engaged when you might not know what chapter your child's on in school or the names of their teachers? Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Prove me wrong, and in the 2018 election, go out there and vote. Hello? When someone says something, freedom of speech is quickly mentioned. But when someone doesn't vote, does anyone say, hey, you have the right to vote, so go and vote? Let me put it this way. If I have a jacket and I don't wear that jacket, I will return that jacket. Well, really, my mom will take it to the store and return it. I'm not saying that we will lose our right to vote, but we sure are making a good case to keep it. Everyone here who can vote must vote. It is imperative that we stay engaged or else democracy will not be the same. And on the topic of being engaged, tonight's topics will be housing, traffic, homelessness, tourism, Measure C, Measure D, education, and the proposed Napa Civic Center Complex. I hope you walk away from tonight's debate with a better understanding of who these candidates are and what their views are on the issues Napa is facing today and will face down the road. And with that, I'd like to introduce to you tonight's candidates. Ricky Hurtado, Mary Luros, James Hinton, Bernie Narvez, and Vice Mayor Peter Mott. And to reiterate, my name is Manveer, and I will be tonight's moderator. Tonight's structure will be first opening statements by the candidates. Each candidate will get two minutes. Then a five-minute interview with each candidate. After the interview, the debate portion will begin, and each candidate will get two minutes to answer. And there will be a couple minutes of open dialogue between the candidates. Down below, we have Anthony Pilati, who will be doing time cards for us. From 7.30 to 7.45, there will be an intermission. Outside, there are question cards, so anyone in the audience that would like to write down questions, you can. And from 7.45 to 8.15, we will ask those questions. And following that will be closing remarks and the end of the night. I ask you refrain from clapping during discussion and debate. Please silence your phones. And a final reminder, no posters inside, no waving them. And with that, let's begin with the 
with the first opening statement. We'll start from the right-hand side. You have two minutes for opening statements. Is this on? All right. Thank you. I'm Bernie Narvaez. I'm running for Napa City Council because I love this country and I love this city. My family came here when I was five years old from Mexico, and we came here with nothing. We came with little money. We didn't know the language or the culture, but with family and hard work, we endured hardships and you know a lot of hard work to, to get where we are and um, learn the language, became U.S. citizens, and, and um, learned to uh, be productive members of this community. And when we were younger, when I was younger, you know, we went from house to house to a little shack to low-income housing and eventually own a home. So that, that journey I think resonates with a lot of people in our community, and I want to be there to help them. Um, this country gave my family and myself the opportunities to be successful. So when 9-11 happened, I wanted to give back to my country, so I joined the Marines. And through that, it was an honor to, to serve. And now back in Napa, um, I got a lot of, I'm very grateful for being in Napa, and I love Napa because it's been good to me and my family. Napa is where I met my wonderful wife, where my dad and I started a business, where I became a homeowner, and my daughter was born. So now I want to give back to, to Napa. I want to serve Napa the way I serve my country. So as your city council member, elected city council member, that's what I'll do, serve Napa. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Before I begin, I, I just want to uh, recognize today, you know, it's great when sometimes you have an open seat on the city council because it gets a bigger pool of candidates come out. And the fact uh, this year that we have two Latinos running for the city council for the first time ever, uh, and we have uh, three candidates uh, under 40. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great time in the city of Napa to see uh, new young people engaged and, um, and see Latino representation in the candidacy. I'm going to read this and I think you'll understand why when I get done. Uh, my name is Peter Mott. I've served Napa for the past 12 years as a city councilman and a member of the Napa Housing Authority. I currently sit on the Sanitation District Board, having done so for the last six years. And I'm an alternate on the Napa Valley Waste Management Authority and Napa County Flood Control Board. During the last 12 years as a council member, I have served three years on the Waste Management Authority, two years in the Downtown Specific Plan, been a member of the Napa County Transportation and Planning Agency, the Traffic Advisory Committee. I spent two years in the Joint City-County Affordable Housing Task Force, a year on the Napa County Gang and Youth Violence Commission. And prior to my election, I was a council, as a council member, I served two years on the Planning Commission and three years with the Community Development Block Grant Committee. As a member of the council, I've worked to develop and energize our downtown, including returning to two-way streets establishing our in-house 10-mile street repaving program, approved multiple affordable housing projects and eight new parks. But most importantly, I've been diligent in working to have a strong, solid, balanced budget. I've helped see the city through two floods, a massive earthquake, a major fire, and a significant economic downturn. Outside of my official council duties, I've worked to improve the lives of local residents in many ways. I formed the Association of Napa Neighborhoods 
uh, uh, predecessor to what we kind of do these days in Nextdoor, which is to engage neighbors and neighborhoods. I reestablished uh, with others the popular Fourth of July parade and helped develop seconds. celebrating seniors an annual event for our senior population. I married my beautiful wife Nancy, and I have two daughters who actually attend this school. And I'm a member of the Napa Sunrise Rotary Club, the Napa Elks, and the Native Sons of California. Thank you. Thank you. And up next, we have James Hinton. Hello, Napa Valley. I want to thank the associated students of Napa Valley College for hosting this debate tonight. I'm really excited about this opportunity. As a regular um, person that attends these city council meetings, we get the opportunity to provide comments and ask questions about the projects they're discussing. But a lot of times, those questions are ignored and go unanswered. But with tonight's forum set up in a debate style, hopefully some of the questions that I've been asking over the years at the Napa City Council will get answered tonight. I'm a lifelong resident. My dad worked at Mare Island. My mom worked in the wine industry. I was born at Kaiser Vallejo. I went to Pueblo Vista, West Park, Redwood, and Napa High. I have taken some courses out here at the college in 1993. It was $5 a unit when I signed up out here. And um, in 2013, it was $46 a unit when I signed up here. So I've been around. I've seen times change. I'm running for city council because I think we can do a better job of representing the people in our community. It seems like the city council has a habit of rubber stamping everything that comes before the board and they're just pushing projects through at an alarming rate. And I wonder how much longer we can promise to give places like the Carneros Inn, 43 acres, feet of water per year for the next 50 years. How many more water deals can this city council make and can we sustain that? Because I want to make sure People like me who live here, who grew up here, that for the next 50 years I got enough water for my garden, for my pet, for my dishes. You know, we've seen restrictions and if we allow our city council to continue to rubber stamp these deals, we may run out of water someday. Thank you. And up next, Mary Lou Rose. Sorry, mine has a cord. Thank you, Manveer, and the Associated Students for having us. Uh, hi, I'm Mary LaRose. Uh, I grew up in a little town just north of Sacramento where my family's been farming for six generations. Um, I moved to Napa about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, with my husband, Jason. We started a law practice here in Napa, and I practice primarily business law and estate planning. Uh, I have two beautiful children, a three-and-a-half-year-old three daughter, the half is very important when you're three, and I have a four-month-old son. Um, I, uh, I'm also, I was on the city council from January 2015 to December of 2016, and I currently serve on the Napa Sanitation District Board with Pete. Um, I'm running for Napa City Council because I look around Napa and it worries me. I see my friends having to leave the city because they can't afford to live here anymore. I see businesses closing up shop because they can't afford the rent anymore. I see beautiful hotels that are, have very expensive room rates that I could never pay for. 
and I see restaurants that I can't afford to eat in and shops that I can't afford to shop in. And I see an imbalance between what we provide for tourists and what we provide for our residents. I have the experience and the skill set as an attorney, as a business owner, as a mom, to do this job and to do this job well. Um, as, a, as a mother, I'm concerned about my kids' future, and I have a vision for Napa that we're severely lacking right now. So I thank you all for being here, especially the students who are here, and I look forward to earning your vote. Thank you. And Ricky Hurtado? Let's see how long this extends here. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Ricky Hurtado. I'm Ricky Hurtado, and I just want to thank the student government for hosting this forum today. Um, I'm a lifelong Napa resident, and it is an honor to be here, born and raised in the city of Napa. I've seen it change. I've seen it evolve to the people that I've talked to. They say the same thing as well. Uh, come from humble beginnings. My family who are in the back here today. Uh, my dad came at the age of 17, 17 years old worked in the vineyards. My mom has worked as a housekeeper here in the lodging industry, something that they still do to this day. That is like many of our community members as well. In addition to that, when we first arrived, we didn't have much here in Napa Valley. We were, we were living with one of my uncles, and just like many of our Napa families do here today. My family applied for affordable housing. I've lived in affordable housing, and it was a hand up not a handout, it was a hand up. It provided my family the opportunity to save and look for better quality of life to ensure that my brothers and myself had the opportunity to live here. I've also been involved in many boards and commissions here in our community and that has been some of my experience. I've been the vice president, president of the Democrats of the Napa Valley Club. In addition, I'm the president of the Napa County Hispanic Network. I bring a broad range of knowledge and what the city council needs in today's Napa. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, we're gonna close the first portion of tonight's evening the introductions. The next portion is a brief interview with each candidate, the goal being to ask questions which wouldn't be a debate question, but just to get to know the candidate a little bit more. And we will start this time from the opposite side, and we'll go down. Each one will be about five minutes. So would you like to buy Ricky or Mr. Hurtado? Ricky, Ricky? all right. Ricky, the first question for you. How would you explain city council to an eight-year-old City council to an eight-year-old. City council to an eight-year-old. Um, that's funny. <laughs> um, city council to an eight-year-old. I remember having my little brother, um, who's here in the audience today as well, and who will be attending uh, in the upcoming years here at Napa Valley College. I've always enjoyed government um, and the functions of it from federal to state to local, and I think it's local where it really matters. Um, I've had the opportunity to mentor him throughout, the, throughout all his, his course of his life, and I think I've had the opportunity for him to really understand the history of Fernapa um, and the changes that we need 
here in our community. So how would it explain to now an eight-year-old if I had a kid? I don't have a kid yet, um, but that is something that my wife and I are planning to do in the near future um, is, you know, city government, city council is the legis legislative body here in our community. Now, a little kid might be, what is the legislative body? They pass laws to ensure that there's better quality of life, which is one of my priorities uh, and one of my goals. Okay, thank you. Just one smart eight-year-old to understand what federal means. <laughs> and one more question would be, just tell us a little bit about yourself, something that you already haven't said in your opening statement, just so everyone here can know you a little better. Yeah, definitely, thank you, Manvir. Um, how he said, I've served on several boards. There's limited time, um, and some of the boards that I've been part of, said is the president of the Napa County Hispanic Network. I've served with them for over four years now. Um, in addition to that, I've also been uh, appointed to the Napa County Fair Association Board, where I've served, and now I'm the treasurer um, for the last couple years. And I also am part of the Fair Housing of Napa Valley, making sure that we bring equitable uh, housing practices here in our Napa Valley, from American Canyon to Calistoga and in the city of Napa. Um, and I've served, uh, I said, as the vice president and president of the Democrats of Napa Valley. Yes, I am 26 years old. Final question would be, as 26, it is on the younger side, what motivated you to run in the first place? What motivated me to run is seeing our community being forced out. There's recently a uh, recent um, uh, register article that stated that some of our students, there's low enrollment in our schools, and that is due to housing costs. Young families like myself can't afford to live here in our community. They're, be, they're being forced to live elsewhere. Um, and want to make sure that we provide that opportunity to members in our community that are young, but also our aging population, our seniors. Sit, sit, the city of Napa being the largest city in the county, we need to make sure that they also have a place, for a place to call home. Um, what inspires me is knowing that this is the place that I call home, this is the place that saw me grow. This is the place that gave me the opportunities to continue with my education. This is the, the place that I want to make sure that I provide an opportunity to other members of our community. And how I said, my wife is a local veterinarian here. Um, we are planning to have kids later down the road. We want to make sure that they too have the opportunity to live here, that they have teachers that uh, are quality, their teachers are being moved being forced out as well. So those are some of the things that I'm looking at and that have inspired me. In addition, my parents um, and my wife, uh, I mean, the hard work and dedication of my parents, their sacrifice to ensure that we had food on the table every single day, that's what inspires me. Thank you, and we will move on to the next person down the line, Mary Luros. So the first kind of funny question for you, what would the person who likes you least in the world say about you? Ooh, I'm, I'm thinking of the person. I need to actually think about what they would be saying. Um, 
I think that they would say that I'm really determined and kind of, I don't want to say bullheaded, but when I decide to do something, I really go all the way. And it, it takes quite a lot to knock me down. So I think that they, that's what they would say, that she's very determined. Thank you. That was kind of an odd question to ask. But a little more. I've had worse. <laughs> and a question that we asked Ricky as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I am, I, I already mentioned, I grew up on a farm. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. My mom immigrated here. She became a citizen in the 80s. Um, I am the first person in my family, I'm the youngest of five, and the first person in my family to go to college. Um, I, I had a full ride to St. Mary's College. I majored in politics and minored in religious studies, the two things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. And uh, you know, I didn't have any, any mentors really to kind of guide me in what you should major in and what you should do in college, and so I just did what I liked. And um, I got the opportunity to travel. I did a semester in Greece and a semester in France, and I was a congressional intern for a semester. And while I was in DC, I, I really fell in love with politics. And I met a congressman, the congressman that I was working for um, told me, you know, it's, it's really important that you find yourself before you become a public servant. And he urged me to go to, to law school. And so I did, after, after St. Mary's, I went to Golden Gate University School of Law. Um, I met my future husband there, and right after the bar exam on March 1st, 2008, we moved to Napa. And uh, we built our own, it was 2008, so the economy was not great. Um, <laughs> nobody was giving us a job. And so we decided to start our own law firm, um, and we've been very successful. We're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. Um, yeah. So you talked about opening a law firm. Can you just go into a little bit more detail of your experience in opening a business in Napa? Well, in 2008, it was really hard to do anything. Um, every law firm in town I spoke with, and they said, you know, we're not hiring right now, we're firing. Um, and so it was challenging for us. Um, one of the, the best things that I did was volunteer for Legal Aid of Napa Valley. And I represented, as a volunteer attorney, I represented um, a lot of tenants in landlord-tenant cases, eviction cases. And I got to know our community better and how to better serve people in our community. Um, but it was challenging. The first couple years, you know, we, we really had to build up a name for ourselves. Um, Napa is the kind of community that if you're not from here, you really have to work hard to prove yourself. And Jason and I worked very hard to prove ourselves. Um, we went to everything. We did Leadership Napa Valley um, the first year that we were here. We did, I did the Citizens Academy. I did, I did everything that came my way so that I could get to know our community better. And I think that's the way you have to start a business here. That's the only way to do it. Um, so we've been successful, but it is a result of a lot of hard work. Thank you. And we would like to move on. Well, I would like to move on to James Hinton. And the first question for you would be, <clears throat> what would you like most about being a city council member? The ability to get more information about all these projects that keep coming before us. You know, a lot of these um, projects, they come up, and then they come to the Planning Commission, you get a few minutes to discuss it there, and then it goes to the City Council, you get another few minutes to talk about it there, and then these things get approved. And it's really hard in six minutes to sometimes express your opinion about some of these projects. So I'd like to be able to have that kind of voice. Um, I've I'm really been an advocate uh, for medical cannabis over the years. I've been going to our city council meetings 
for four years straight, public comment, you know, good evening, Mayor, City Council, James Hinton, and then I talk about why our city needs to have access to medical cannabis. And we still don't have access to medical cannabis. There's a lot of people who are suffering in our community, and they need safe access. So on the topic of that, what can Napa do to make it better for that community? Well, Napa has um, began a permitting process, but it's very restricted, the zoning. They narrowed down the zoning to only a few areas. And in those areas, the landowners are really asking a lot of money if they're even allowing it. So it's making it really hard for people who want to get into this business. They want to serve the suffering patients. It's really tough. I mean, the state of California has already put in a lot of regulations. So just to follow those is hard enough, but the city could expand the zoning definitely and they should start immediately with recreational permits. There's no need to only start with the medical. Um, it's just like alcohol. You have an ID, you're 21, you go and you purchase it and you go home. All right, last question. Just uh, briefly tell a little, few more details about yourself to the audience for about one minute. Say that again? Just a few more details about yourself, your background, where you, come, where you come from. Okay. So after I graduated from Napa High in 1992, I started a small business, Ballpark Sports Cards, right across from the high school on Jefferson um, on August 1st, 1992. I didn't even have my driver's license yet. I got that after my birthday passed at the end of the month. So after a year and a half of that, I sold the business for a profit and I got into the wine industry where I worked a total of six crushes or harvests, you want to call it. I've worked at the big ones from Sutter Home, Mandavi, and Behringer, and including a little uh, Domaine Chandon, I've done the Champagne. I've also worked on probably over 50 bottling lines in that time at different wineries. So I know what it's like to work in the wine industry on the production side of things. But um, after the crush ended in 1998. I found that uh, my poker skills were really good, and I was able to make a living every day at the poker table um, that I didn't go back to the crush season in 1999. And I began a 15-year career as a professional poker player where I would play at uh, card rooms around the Bay Area. I've been employed at a few of them. And then um, we lost our right to play internet poker. And that's when I realized uh, we had lost a lot of our rights. And I began to take a closer look at um, our governments. And I began a career as a political consultant where I've worked on uh, several campaigns throughout the Bay Area from initiatives to have medical dispensaries stay open. I was part of a successful referendum in the city of Vallejo, the only referendum that's ever been passed in the city's 100 year plus history. I managed two school board candidates to victory last year in Vallejo. They were the top two vote getters in each race. I've been working on a campaign to get lead sheath telephone cables out of our community. I'm asking city councils like Napa to send a letter to the telephone companies asking them, do you have any lead sheath telephone cables buried here? If so, where are they? And do you have the means to remove them? So I've been working on a lot of uh, different 
professional poker. It sounds fun. It was. Thank you. And up next, so your first question, what's your favorite book and why? Favorite book? Um, Interesting. I, um, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because you get stuck in your head what you went through when you were in school and then um, uh, when you have children and start raising your children, then somehow those books get stuck in your head. And Goodnight Moon is uh, what's coming to my mind, which is so ridiculous to uh, think of that as being your favorite book. But if I was to say the first thing that came to my mind, that's, that's what it is because Goodnight Moon is what I read to my girls uh, at night, um, many, many, many nights before, uh, before they went to sleep. I personally don't know what book that is. Yeah, well, I have you, my you likely will. <laughs> what is your favorite part about, like, what's your favorite thing about Napa? Uh, well, honestly, it's, and this will seem simplified, but it's the people in Napa, and we see this over and over and over um, when we face uh, hurdles, when we face uh, adversary from floods. I mean, I was, I was back here way back in the 86 floods um, and fires and <clears throat> uh, earthquakes, how people come together and how, they, how the citizens of Napa take care of each other and look out for each other and, I mean, from going to restaurants to make sure restaurants get back up on their feet uh, to the different instances where you hear of of neighbors that don't know each other at all running down the street and turning off gas lines. Uh, You know, that's that's what towns and and people don't think of Napa as a small town, but in terms of the people that live here, we really are a small town and we we still have that that small town feel where, um, again, where I think you know, people really want to be part of the community. They really want to be neighbors um, with the people that live around them. And so that's, that's by far the best part of this community. Yeah, and seeing how we acted after the fires and that whole process, I see why you would say that. Final question for you would be, as the only incumbent on stage, why should Napa re-elect you? Well, I, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's always the question you get every campaign, and it's, and it's an interesting one because you, th- you, you think as an incumbent, well, I've, I've done a lot of these things, but actually that's what the issue is. I think about the, the kids in school here. Again, my, my daughters are actually here, both here at the moment. And so in school, you're studying here two years. Maybe in college, you're studying four years um, in whatever your path is. I, um, I've been on the council. This is my 12th year on the council. Um, I spend probably 20 hours a week doing council duties, uh, and it's like being in college for 20 years, or 12 years, I'm sorry, for 12 years, you know. So if you think about that, what you would learn over 12 years if you were in school that long, that's a big part of of what happens on the city council, having served on the sand district and the wastewater district and uh, been through uh, general plan updates and been through uh, housing elements and and 
you know, different issues uh, within the community, they change over time and they ebb and flow. You know, affordable housing is by far our biggest really issue facing us right now. Um, I've been in downturns in the economy where we looked at the possibility of browning out fire stations and I've been through robust economies right now where we're opening brand new fire stations. And so that wealth of experience, um, it, it, uh, as, we, as we move forward now into you know, a whole new territory uh, in terms of finding more housing, in terms of dealing with traffic, that, that 12 years makes a difference. And so that's, that's why I'm still here and why I'm running again is, is that I think um, I'm, I'm a longest serving member on the council uh, uh, besides the, the mayor. And um, those years and those different positions and through those different issues are, are still important, I think, as, as a body moves forward. It's great to have some young people on a body and, and new blood, uh, but it's also important to have that historical knowledge and that, um, and that expertise in a, in a lot of different fields. Thank you. And we will now move on to Bernie. And your first question is, what is your favorite public park? My favorite? Say that question one more time. What is your favorite public park? My favorite? I like Kennedy, but because it's big and you can uh, do a lot of things there. But I think my favorite one, and it pops in my head because of the master plan and being a past vice chair in Parks and Rec, that was one of the biggest projects that we had. But it has to be the Veterans Park because as a veteran myself, it pays tribute to the veterans that have served our country and instilled um, you know, patriotism and, and self-service that's reflective of this community. Thank you. On a slightly different note, the next question is a two-part. If elected, what are three things you think you can realistically accomplish in your first term, and how can we hold you accountable to those? Well, accountability is very important, so you gotta be careful with this question. Um, my, my passion has always been helping people, and you know, my profession as, as a business owner is that I've seen people leave our community, people can't afford to live here. So my, my first priority is, is housing, is building housing that people can afford. Um, helping with resources to people that work here to live here, so they don't have to li leave this town and commute back in. So creating a, a better system for people to, to be able to buy here, not just rent here, but also be, become homeowners. Because when I became a homeowner, you know, it was one of the most proudest moments in my life to say, you know, now I'm permanent in Napa. You know, I've been a business owner for, for 10 years and I felt that was pretty permanent, but once I, you know, I got the keys to the house, that's a very proud moment in my life. And, you know, as I see people that, rent, that were renting Napa and, and leave Napa to buy somewhere else, you know, they were proud, but they were proud to be somewhere else. So I want people to get back to Napa so they can work here, they can spend their money here, they can contribute to our, uh, to our local economy. So that's number one. Thank you. And the second question? There's a second part? Oh, the second part of it was how can we hold you accountable to those priorities that you think you can accomplish? Well, my goal is to hold myself accountable by engaging with people, reaching out, always making sure I'm in front of people, talking to people and reassessing the needs, you know, because I may have a vision, but that may not align with everybody. So my job is not only to, to execute that, my vision, 
but make sure it's always aligned with all of you because it is you that, that matter. I'm running here because I want to work for you. I want to give back to a community that's been so good to my family and to me because I, my business wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the community that, that embraced us. So hold myself accountable by talking, engaging, and listening to people. Thank you. I'm glad you both brought up housing because our first question, which is coming up now, is on housing. Two conflicting issues have been brought up. Napa needs more affordable housing, and Napa has a significant traffic problem. How would you balance these seemingly conflicting issues? We will start with the vice mayor this time, and you have two minutes to address the question. And if you like, I can repeat the question. Um, no, that's all right. Um, they are not conflicting issues, frankly. Uh, one of the biggest issues that uh, we have, as you said, is, is affordable housing. And the reason that doesn't conflict with traffic is the reason we have traffic, you know, when we look at traffic studies, our traffic studies are, are generally, um, you know, you know there's, there's some traffic all during the day, but the intense traffic's during, uh, during the morning commute hours and the afternoon commute hours. Those folks are commuting because they can't afford to live here. And if they could afford to find housing here and quality housing here that they could afford, um, Again, I have nothing against our neighborhood cities, but if you're working here and you have a choice of living here or Vallejo or Fairfield or Sassoon, I'm willing to say that a number of those people would choose to live in the city of Napa. We have great schools, we have a great community. So if we can solve the affordable housing issue, um, we can, um, I think we'll make a big dent in the, in the traffic situation. Now that being said, there's, uh, there's some, uh, some new revenue coming in that's going to help us work uh, improving our roads and our streets. Uh, our plan as we get our city hall, um, as we move forward and getting our city hall finished, is for a new traffic control center. And the way that'll work is there'll actually be a traffic engineer in front of a series of screens that'll be able to, because all of our traffic lights will be not all, but the vast majority of the maps they showed us will be interconnected. They'll be able to actually manage traffic in the city as different uh, parts of the city get more intense in terms of their traffic. So uh, that's part of the IT upgrade we'll be able to do. You know, those type of things as, as um, we use more technology and, and move forward. Again, the, the real challenge is to get the housing part of it done. I think the traffic uh, solutions will, uh, will come with that. Thank you. And we'll move on to James Hinton on that question. Am I to repeat it? Are you, are you good? I, no, I'm good. How do okay. we solve housing and traffic problems here? So Napa Valley is blessed with a uh, tourism tax that is assessed at the checkout stand when guests stay here. They pay 14% in taxes. 12% of these taxes go to the city of Napa. 2% go to the Tourism Improvement District. Um, these tax dollars have gone to Visit Napa Valley and the Downtown Napa Association over the years. The Downtown Napa Association, excuse me. So N Visit Napa Valley has evolved into a $7.5 million slush fund that has very little oversight at all. Uh, the person running this fund is making over $300,000 a year just from this one agency. And that's more than our city manager, our police chief, or anybody in this town. And I think if this 2% is available at the checkout stand, that the city of Napa should pick it up and they should start earmarking that money towards workforce housing, 
We need to start taking care of the troops that are working here in these hotels. Um, that's why we have a lot of traffic, is because people are commuting from Davis, from Dixon, from Vallejo, from Benicia. They're even commuting in from Richmond and Pinole to come work at these hotels and in the other restaurants and the other parts of the, of the tourism industry. And to battle that, we need to have housing, even if it's in downtown Napa. There is a project looming to build a, a super block where the city hall currently sits, which would be 275 boutique hotel rooms with 110 apartments, and 10% of those are earmarked for affordable housing. Okay, that's not enough. We need to do a better job at making sure we have workforce housing. Thank you. So we have traffic problems, increasing traffic problems, because people can't afford to live here. Um, we have a road system that was not built to accommodate the kinds of economic activity that we've developed over the last 10, 20 years. Um, a lot of the funding for transportation is based on population, and our populations are 80,000 in a city, 140,000 in a county, but that doesn't include the three and a half million people who visit Napa every year. We're not getting extra funding for that. Um, we're, our roads are just not built for that level of service. Um, so really to address the traffic problem, we have to build more housing. When I was on the council addressing um, creating housing that is affordable was my priority. We took big steps on addressing affordable housing. We, we made it easier to build second units. We addressed enforcement of vacation rentals. Um, we fast-tracked affordable housing projects. We upped our, increased our in-lieu development fees for affordable housing. Unfortunately, not much has been done since then. Um, there's no innovative solutions on the council right now for how to address housing. Um, if I was elected, one of the first things that I would do is create an inclusionary housing ordinance. There's no reason why Napa shouldn't have one now. It's a policy that would require housing developers to specify a certain percentage of low or moderate income units for each residential development. So not only does it um, increase the amount of affordable units, but it integrates, integrates those units with regular market rate um, housing, so it creates some economic diversity. Um, but in order to build more units, we also need more money. Um, Napa County has to compete with all of the other Bay Area counties, um, most of whom have housing bonds um, that generate money. These grants require matching funds, and quite frankly, now that we don't have redevelopment agencies, we don't have those funds. Um, so our economic growth keeps growing, we have a higher demand for housing, and we're just not meeting the demand. Thank you. Can you repeat the question again, please? Yeah. Two conflicting issues have been brought up. Napa needs more affordable housing, and Napa has a significant traffic problem. How would you balance these seemingly conflicting issues? Thank you, Manvir. Um, well, how Councilmember Mott uh, said, it, they're not conflicting. They go hand in hand. Um, people should be able to work where they live. That's what should be happening, and that would be one of my number one priorities. Um, we need to stop talking about housing. It continues to come up in every election cycle. It continues to come up every single time, but we need to start doing a little more, um, and I am committed to that. I wanna make sure that we streamline the process of getting through 
getting through permits and make sure that we streamline the process as well of getting affordable housing units. We also need to make sure that we have housing, yes, in the downtown area as well. This will also benefit uh, the, local, the local businesses in the downtown area. Traffic is, I lived for four years in American Canyon. Um, I really do consider myself a resident of the Napa Valley. Because um, I've worked up Valley, I've lived in American Canyon, and I've worked here, and I've lived majority of my life in the city of Napa. Traffic was brutal. We wake up, go to high school, went to Napa High School, had early flight, had to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. to make sure that I got to class on time. My poor mom, she would make sure that my little brother was ready so we could take them to, to, uh, to daycare. These are some of the people, like myself, who are going through these things. They're finding housing outside, and they're trying to come into the city of Napa to work. So we need to make sure that we provide these solutions and I will make sure that I am the voice for our community because I've lived there. Thank you. So I also agree that you know, traffic can be mitigated by bringing more people back, back here, but how do we do that? You know, we talk about building, we talk about we need affordable housing, but we, it's a multi-layer problem and it needs solutions from different angles. And I think that we build to, uh, we, it's, so when we build, we have to build with the design that makes it affordable also. It's not just creating funds or creating revenues and, and, and uh, taking tax dollars because we can't depend on California or you know, other budgets to, to fund us because it may not be there the next year, it may not be there the following year. So we have to design for the future. You know, as the next genera generations are coming up, you know, they're used to sharing. And in my experience, being in barracks and, and, and having roommates, I am, as, a, as a younger person, I think we need to look at how we design housing for our workforce. So having more shared spaces. So if it's cheaper for the builder to um, use shared spaces, then it's cheaper for the end user, for the buyer, or for the renter. So we have to look at how to, innovate design and housing for, for our workforce, um, for our workforce in Napa. Also is create more purchasing power so people can be homeowners. And in my experience as a new homeowner, you know, I used a VA loan. That was a benefit to me, but many people in my community don't have that. If it wasn't for the VA loan, it would have been very difficult for my family and I to stay in Napa. So in that experience, I thought we need to find something that's local, that, that can help them, similar to the VA loan. Something where we can have more equity share, something that's worked for, instead of a, similar to a down payment program, but creates more equity power for the homeowners to, somebody to buy a home here. So instead of buying, paying a full mortgage, there's equity share with the city or a builder that pays in lieu fees to pay a lower mortgage. Thank you. Does anyone else have anything else to say to debate one another? We have a few minutes to do that if anyone would like to speak up. Uh, just really quick, I also want to point out as coming from the background of a son of a farm worker, we need to make sure that we provide housing to our farm workers and not just farm workers but our farm worker families uh, that are living here in our community 
that are part of the wine industry and that are make Napa what it is today. Uh, I work, I didn't mention this, but I work in the nonprofit field and that's something that I've been working, working at uh, for the last several years. I get to see our low-income families every single day. Uh, I get, I've got, I've had the opportunity to work on programmatic work and fundraising to ensure that we provide services to our families. So we need to look at this at a whole, as a holistic uh, approach as well uh, to ensure that families that are getting close to homelessness don't fall to homelessness and make sure that we provide these services and uh, partner with our community organizations as well, as well as with the county. Thank you. you have a question? Yeah, I'd like to know. There, I mentioned we have a, a project where the city hall is going to become 275 um, boutique hotel and 110 residential units, 10% for affordable housing. And I'd like to know, is there a residential developer for this project and who it is? Because I keep asking this at the city council meeting, it keeps going un unanswered. We have a question later on in the evening on, on that complex. Do you have about 30 seconds to respond to anybody? You know, I'll you know, try to that. Let me uh, just address a couple of things. Affordable housing funding is really difficult, so it takes uh, quite a while. That being said, uh, a lot of effort has been put late in lately, uh, con contrary to some comments, in, in getting, removing barriers and getting funding done quickly. Uh, we break ground, we'll do a groundbreaking next week to Stoddard West out on Soskill Avenue uh, by the Gasser property. And that project has 50 new affordable houses uh, as part of the project. Uh, we've also done work at Redwood Grove, which had 34 new homes for sale, and Oak Creek Terrace uh, with 41 new apartments. So uh, again, it takes time to do, put some of these programs together. Uh, I'm working on a new program that's going to work more with uh, folks who are involved in, in the hotel and uh, restaurant industry. Uh, we're having some of that conversation about uh, the, the possibility of, of doing uh, both first-time home buyer programs and rental assistance programs, and that's being done in conjunction with uh, those folks at Tourism Napa Valley that uh, was spoken about earlier. Thank you, Mary. I'll be really quick because I know it's intermission. Um, all of the projects that were just mentioned were projects that were approved when I was on city council. Nothing has happened since then. And yet, how many hotel rooms have we approved since then? Okay, okay and with that, we're going to move on to the next question. What are your views on policies concerning the homeless population in Napa? And how would you approach that as a city council member? This time we'll start, we'll start with Mary this time. So we as a community have put our resources into managing homelessness. We have shelters, we have support services. What we really need to be doing is focusing on ending homelessness instead of simply managing it. In Napa, we have about 300 chronically homeless people. That's one or two apartment buildings that we could build and be done with homelessness in Napa. It's a very real goal. Um, we need to create interim housing and permanent supportive housing. That's why I'm excited about projects like the Heritage House, which is a Gasser Foundation development in North, uh, North Napa. It will offer affordable housing to low-income residents and also permanent supportive housing for homeless people. It's the first of its kind in Napa and it's about time. 
Um, unfortunately, we're not doing enough to turn off the faucet and solve the reasons why people become homeless. Lack of affordability, affordable housing, low wages, um, inadequate social services. Do you know what the biggest challenge is for people who are in poverty in Napa? Childcare. If you have young kids, there are very few options for childcare in Napa while you work. And as a result, people can't work and they can't make a living wage and they become homeless. I think the housing first model is great, um, but not if we can't fund it at a level that's necessary to meet the need. Um, we as a community need to prioritize the citizens who need our help the most. And the way you prioritize something in, in government is by funding it. Thank you, we'll move on to Ricky. A lot of the, the homeless uh, population here in the county of Napa, in the city of Napa, um, are people in our community, people that have lived here for many years. Um, a lot of them are long-term long Napa residents. Matter of fact, it's 41% have lived here between 25 to 49 years. Uh, 23 have lived here for over 50 years. These are our neighbors. These are people that we've gone to church with. P these are people that we've played sports with. These are a lot of my friends that I continue to see. I work at Cope Family Center. Right in front of us is Hope Center. Uh, get to say hi to a lot of our homeless population in the morning. Good morning. It's something that they need. We need to make sure that when we talk about homelessness that we also approach it um, at, with wraparound services. Yes, housing, housing first approach is great, and we need to do that, but we also need to make sure that we provide the skills that they need uh, once provided the housing. We need to make sure that victims, I say survivors of domestic violence, aren't prone to be living in homelessness. These are some of the things that I'm looking at. I wanna make sure that I, I will represent while uh, on city council. Um, and we need to make sure that we really utilize, working in the nonprofit field has really opened my views. And I think the city and the county are doing a great job working with Abode uh, and making sure that uh, we're, we're providing that housing first model to the homeless population. But let's reach out to other nonprofits. Let's make sure that we support our community to the best extent possible. Thank you. So homelessness is a big issue. And you know, it's not just housing them, but also providing services to, to help them get out of the, home, the habits that got them to being homeless. Uh, you know, opportunity, life skills, uh, you know, teach them a way to be proud members of our community. And homelessness means different things. There's young adults that, that don't want to be at home and, and live in people's couches. There's, there's domestic um, abuse victims that are trying to go to a safe place. And I think we have a lot of resources, but we can do, we can do a lot better. And it's not just housing them, but creating more opportunities for them to, to be better. When, when I was young, my family, we were homeless. We moved from living room to living room. The one thing that got up got us out of it was opportunities to improve ourselves, to learn, to do better, to learn skills, to be able to earn, you know, afford out of being homelessness into a safer space. Thank you. Vice Mayor. 
you know, we're never going to solve homelessness. We're going to significantly make a dent in it, I hope. Uh, but we've been working on this, as every community in the Bay Area has for years and years. Where we're getting is making progress. And we've done a lot of work here in the city of Napa between uh, our emergency winter shelter to make sure that those most at risk have a place uh, during the winter, uh, making that available and funding it to make sure recently changing our uh, South Napa homeless shelter to a wet facility, meaning they don't do drug testing or alcohol testing uh, to come in again to make sure that we can get them in a bed. Yet we go out and survey our homeless population every single year and we know that there are a number of them do, that uh, uh, will not take any services. Uh, there's also a significant mental health issue within the homeless and we need to keep addressing that. I was happy to hear uh, Mary mention the Heritage House. The Heritage House is an old senior facility that is over behind the hospital that is going to be a, a multifaceted homeless center with, with uh, on-site facilities to help them and some mental health uh, care as well. Uh, I originally went in six years ago to talk to Joe Peatman, the president of the Gasser Foundation, about that very facility and making that into some type of homeless facility. Instead, it went through a process of trying to get developed. That process failed. Uh, Gasser became interested again, went through a number of funding processes, and only just a couple days ago received a million-dollar grant to get the, the whole uh, program done. So that's coming online very, very soon. But again, it often takes many, many years to get some of these type of things done. So uh, I think we're doing a, a, a really good job trying to deal with the issue. But as, as you know, and I think all of you recognize, it's a, it's a significant, extensive issue that is very difficult to solve. Thank you. So homeless is a big issue. Um, is this on? Homelessness is a big issue here. Uh, if you look at the east bank of the Napa River, north of Imola, there is a homeless encampment out there. And a lot of cities are tackling this different ways. I think right now it's a little premature for Napa to come up with a game plan because ABAG is, is tackling this issue and very soon they're going to be releasing guidelines that the city of Napa is basically going to have to adopt and to follow. And we need to put ourselves in position to where they give us the guidelines, we make the highest use of the funds available to go after the kind of programs that are going to solve homeless issues like mental health issues. Now what's exciting is Berkeley, last or Tuesday night, they passed a new ordinance unanimously to bring micro units. And these are micro pads with 160 square foot, they're stackable, and they plan on being able to rent these out to, for $1,000 a month or less, you know, depending on, on what, what the people are dealing with. But they're gonna start using these micro pads on these micro units to start addressing the issues there. So I think when, when we get the guidelines from ABAG, we need to be ready to take um, our money and apply them to the best programs to treat these issues that we have in front of us. Thank you. Does anyone else have anyone to add? Does, does anyone else have anything to add to the discussion? Okay, we will move on to the next question. As you all know, Napa has emerged as an important destination for tourism. How are you going to balance the interests of the local community and tourism? We will start this time with Bernie. Thank you for that question. So, 
you know, we, we allow tourists to come into backyard and enjoy our beautiful valley. And I think it, it's time for us to reap some of the benefits of, of what's coming in from tourist dollars and to address some of these issues with, with housing and, and traffic and, and homeless empowerment. Um, you know, it's a good idea to look at TOT funds that are coming in and assign 1% or 2% of that to these local resources that, is, that are in dire need. Because if we continue to do this, um, you know, we, we're, we're gonna continue to collect money and not really bring it back to our community. We have to bring it back to the community and reinforce the dire needs that, that, um, you know, that we constantly talk about. Thank you. Move on with the Vice Mayor. Yeah, always an interesting top, uh, topic, the tourist industry. You know, we're fortunate, I truly believe we're fortunate to have the tourist industry in our, in our town. Uh, it brings in 20, in this fiscal year, uh, it's budgeted to bring in just, in just in TOT, not in sales tax or any of the other avenues, $23 million into uh, the city coffers. Um, these, are, these are high dollar, low impact uh, dollars in that they, they uh, don't have a big impact on our police and fire like it's tourism in, in some areas. Um, and the only downside to all that is, and I, again, this draws, goes back to affordable housing, is the fact that uh, it takes uh, a, a large workforce that is uh, that isn't particularly highly paid, and so that workforce we need to figure out how to house. Now, the tourism improvement district that was mentioned earlier is a self-funded. It's self-funded by the hotels themselves uh, to promote their hotels. It's, it's uh, that that fund is uh, the management of that is is by the group themselves. And I'm, again, working on a program to do a similar self-funding program for workers of the lodging industry. And we are trying to put that together in conjunction with, again, a, a very similar to the, um, to, the TID, to the TID, where it's self-assessed. Uh, self and the reason that's important is if we go to a TOT bump and the, the city assesses that, that is, uh, you know, down the road somewhere when budgets are as good, that money can be taken away. If it's self-assessed by the industry, then they must keep it within, uh, within housing. And that's a, it's an important uh, part of the equation. Uh, there's, it, this may take some legislation to get done at the state level, but it's a way for us to make sure that we can implement programs, again, for either rental assistance or, uh, or home ownership for that part of that tourist dollar that we haven't been able to solve. Thank you. Could you repeat the question? Yeah. As you all know, Napa has emerged as an important tourist destination. How are you going to balance the interests of the local community and tourism? Okay, that's a great question. So like I was saying earlier, when a guest stays in the Napa Valley, they are assessed a 14% tax at the checkout stand. And we keep hearing it is self-imposed. Well, what they mean is that the biggest hotels have it with the most rooms have the most influence. And they've agreed to this tax, and it applies to all of the hotels, okay? And it is not an option for the guest, do you want to pay it, okay? It is collected by the city. And, and this whole thing had to be approved by our Napa County Board of Supervisors and the city of Napa. And they have resolutions where they have oversight over this agency. This agency, uh, the Visit Napa Valley, it actually, um, the money comes into the city 
and then it goes to the Napa Valley Tourist Corporation, where Clay Gregory is on the board of directors. Then it goes to visit Napa Valley, where Clay Gregory is on the board of directors. And he makes more money than anybody there, over $300,000 a year before his bonuses. Then they move more money over to something called Flavor Napa Valley, another $700,000, where again, this guy Clay Gregory is on the board of directors. And nobody on our city council is watching how all this money is going. And we need to rein it in, collect the whole 14% of the checkout stand in the city of Napa, earmark 4% of that towards workforce housing. Then we need to take a look at some of the rest of that money, okay, that's going into the city's coffers, and that could be allocated to repair our crumbling roads and sidewalks throughout Napa. Thank you. Tourism. Tourism. Tourism is extraordinarily important to our economy. Obviously, it's already been said. It generates $80 million in tax revenues for our county annually. It's also really important because it provides about a little over 13,000 jobs. Um, the challenge, though, is that we have to balance being a world-class destination with keeping that small-town feel that we have in Napa. And more importantly, we have to provide a good quality of life for our residents, and we need to make sure those 13,000 people have a place to call home. Right now, I think we're not balancing those needs. We're putting too much emphasis on tourism, and to some extent, we are catering to tourists instead of providing basic services to locals. The most important issue that locals have said that they're concerned about is affordable housing and housing affordability. Just behind that is traffic and roads. In fact, in the most recent community survey, the city found that 26% of residents think we're on the right track, 37% think we're on the wrong track. A big part of that is the poor state, of course, of our roads and our sidewalks, but it has a lot to do, I think, with placing too high a value on tourism. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, we need to be investing back into our residents. That is one of my priorities. Investing into our communities, we need, we need the tourism industry. And yes, we need to ride a fine line um, and make sure that we also support our local community. We need, we need to invest in our roads, sidewalks. There are discussions to increase the TOT tax uh, to provide housing that's affordable. We need to go to, tourism, to the tourism industry as well. So our workforce and residents benefit from successes of the tourism and lodging industry. TOT tax is the second uh, most revenue, the revenue generator of the general fund. And we need to make sure that we start using that money uh, for our community as well. I want to make sure that there are good amenities. I want to, I want to know what amenities we have, what social services we have, and what so social services we need to provide to our community. I'm the candidate that will reinvest into our community. Thank you. Does anyone have anything to add to the discussion right now? I'd like to add. So when we look at the revenues coming in, we have property tax, sales tax, and, and TOT tax. And if you look at the projected growth, TOT tax is at 16% for the next year, and property and sales tax at 4%. So that tells you where our focus is. But having TOT tax and having tourism, it is a good thing for economy, but also brings some, some cons to that. 
but we can leverage that to help our community. We can help to reinvest in our community. So if we have a healthy growth in TOT, we don't need to increase the, the tax, but we can assign a percentage of that back to, to the resources to help the, the struggling families and, and the people on the streets. And you know, a 4% sales tax, that tells me that our businesses are struggling. They're not growing. If TOT is growing at 16% and our business are not, then that's gonna hurt our local economy. That means that people are leaving, they're not shopping local, by the way, I got told to please shop local. So as a local business owner and a, a community member, we need to support each other. So before you, you hit that buy on Amazon, think about going to your local store and please shop local. Because that 4%, I would really like to see at 6 or 8 or 10% growth for the next following years. So our focus is TLT, and it can be a good thing if we leverage it correctly to uh, reinvest in our community. So in 2012, this TID tax that came in, $1 million was spent so that Visit Napa Valley could be known as the official wine region of the America's Cup. And this was done under Councilman Peter Mott's watch, and I'm wondering if he feels that million-dollar investment to the America's Cup, if we got it back. Did anybody from the America's Cup take a nap? Do you feel that was the highest use of the funds? Let me address James' comment. Again, I want to be clear. The city charges a 12% 12% transit occupancy tax, bed tax, whatever you want to call it. The industry, the hotel industry in the county, the entire county, voted to self-impose a 2% tourism improvement district. This is what TID stands for, a tourism improvement district fund that is added to RTOT tax. The city of Napa has no jurisdiction. The TID board has a member, that's a, uh, uh, that, uh, the city of Napa has a member on the TID board, but the majority of the TID board are members of the hotel industry. It is, is and can only be used for tourism destination advertising. That's why you see the city of San Diego on your TV screen all the time. And the city of Monterey, and recently there was some weird city that's now done a TID. It's done quite often around California and other parts of oh, Denver. Denver is now advertising in California. And so we don't have jurisdiction over that. I would not have spent a million dollars on the America's Cup, but the city council did not have the authority to make that decision. That 2% on top, that 2% additional fund, is under their jurisdiction purely. Would anyone like to add anything to the discussion on this topic? You know, I, Peter, you say we don't have jurisdiction over that, but we definitely have influence. If we have 2% that they self-assessed to, to bring in more money, to bring in, um, to use that money to bring in more tourists, we can definitely have a conversation about addressing their workforce issues. I mean, talking to, the local hotel owners in the local food industry, they're saying we're, we don't have enough workers because they're leaving and they don't live here and it's hard for them to come to our town. So we can have a conversation. There's nothing wrong with engaging and saying, I know we don't have jurisdiction, but there's a problem that we all have. And the hotel and the food industry are very vocal about this issue. We can work together and as a council member, 
I will take lead in having that conversation, say, these, what can we do about that 2%? Can we, can we take maybe half percent and add it to housing, to low-income housing, so your workers can live here? I mean, those are, those are solutions by having a conversation and, and, and trying to get to a place where we can improve. And just if I can address that real quick. Again, I mentioned just a bit ago, we're having that conversation. We're recommending to the, to the hotel industry, and when I say we, it's, it's, it's not the council, it's a small group um, that's recommended to the hotel industry to add a 1% additional self-imposed fund, 1% on top of the 14%, to do affordable housing. It means millions of dollars of affordable housing a year, specifically for their employees. The challenge is you can't just universally implement that. It takes some additional legislation from the state level because of fair housing laws and some other issues. So that work's being done. We're trying to get there. Um, but again, much better for them to self-impose, be able to use that to take care of their employees than have the ability of, of the city or the other jurisdictions or the county be able to redirect that funding. So conversations being had, work's being done on. I'm hoping we're going to get it done sometime in the next year. So who from the city is watching the money on the TID board? Again, we don't have oversight of that. It doesn't work that way. I thought you said you the city has one member on the board. Well, who's the member on the Yeah, the yeah, mayor's a watching member the on, money for us. The mayor's a member on the board. We have two minutes until intermission. Do you guys want to continue on this topic or close early? All right, with that. We will have a 15-minute interview outside. There are question cards. If you have a question, please fill it out and come back by 7.40. We will resume at 7.45. Thank you for being here for the first half. I mean, I'm in. They might have it already, you know, color-coordinated. All right, we about ready to get started again? All right, one clap. So the next question is on Measure C, and just so the audience knows, I'm just going to read what Measure C is and we will start on that amending the napa county general plan and zoning code creating water quality buffer zones within the agricultural watershed zoning district and restricting tree removal within those zones strengthening oak removal remediation standards and establishing a permit program for oak tree removal once 795 acres of oak woodland have been removed so the question is where do you stand on Measure C and why? And we will start with James Hinton. Deforestation has become a big, big problem here. Uh, years ago, before I was born, people used to come here to look at the Napa River because it was pristine, it was clean, you could see the fish and the habitat that were going up and down the river. And through all these projects that we've seen come through. Uh, the deforestation for vineyards has led to Napa River's decline. And if we don't do something to stop this, it's going to get worse because the Board of Supervisors has gone from about under 100 wineries to 500 in the last decade. And they are approving projects at an alarming pace. So in 2016, they first made this attempt, and I collected over 500 signatures, most of them from in front of Whole Foods, to get this on the ballot. And it was deemed um, later on by a court illegal because some of the language where they referred to another measure 
wasn't right, they had to have all of it on there. So they did it again this year, we collected the signatures, it's on the ballot. Is the legislation perfect? Probably not. But it is a step in the right direction to curb this kind of uh, development that is hurting our water. And right now, the Millican watershed is our cleanest drinking water. Napa gets its water from three sources, the California State Project, Millican, and Lake Hennessy. And Millican is our, our cleanest, purest water. So if we let them take down all the trees at the top of that watershed and put in their vineyards, every time it rains, that soil is going to be coming down the hill into our water with whatever kind of pesticides or chemicals they're using. So I am in full support of Measure C. It's the beginning to stop deforestation. Thank you. We'll move on to Mary. We have reached a crisis at the county level um, with regarding what steps we should take to actually protect our environment. A few years ago when I was on council, we made the decision as a city to push the county on the watersheds, on protecting our watersheds. And the result was a joint city and county study of the Millican and Hennessy watersheds, which right now is about 60% complete. In an ideal world, we'd be making decisions and law after we get that study, after we get the science and the facts. Um, but because there are so many people who are upset with how our leaders are dealing with these issues, we have an initiative that does the wrong things for the right reasons. There was an independent legal analysis done on the measure which showed a significant likelihood that Measure C could be challenged on several different issues. Um, I think it's a 70-page report about all of the issues with the, pro with the measure. It overwhelmingly showed the flaws and ambiguities in the text. But the way the process works, as long as you meet the procedural requirements of the elections code, the board has to put it on the ballot. So one of the biggest issues with Measure C in my mind um, is that there are some ambiguities about which size buffer zone uh, applies to a property. So property owners, as a result, are going to have a difficult time figuring it out, which could lead to unintentional violations. And violations are subject to criminal, civil, and administrative penalties. Um, an example of one of the ambiguities after you reach the 795 acre point and you have to get a permit, if you want to remove more than 10 trees within one year, you have to apply for a use permit. You can't get a use permit unless one of the 10 exceptions applies or if the permit allows removal of no more than five oak trees in 10 years. In other words, if one of the exceptions doesn't apply, you can get a permit to remove 10 trees but only if you comply with the contradictory requirement that, not more than f that you remove not more than five trees in 10 years. I'm sorry, but we deserve better laws than that. Thank you. Although this is a county issue, I haven't taken a position on it yet. I've been meeting with groups of people, listening, studying the issue uh, and the measure. Um, I most importantly want to wait till uh, April 16th, where the Democrats of Napa Valley are going to be having the pros and cons, uh, um, the proponents um, of yes on C and no on C. Um, the important thing to remember here is that everyone wants to make sure that our water supply in Napa County is protected. Uh, everyone wants to make sure that our trees and woodlands are protected. As your next city council member, I want to ensure that we continue to educate and involve the public in the stewardship of the area's natural resources. 
just like it's highlighted in the general plan, and partner with county, school districts, and others to participate in com community habitat enhancement work programs that's also highlighted in the general plan, and encourage the planting of native plant species in natural habitats and enhance plant and wildlife habitats in the city. Thank you. You know, our environment is just as important as our economy. And as I'm driving around town, I see no one seeing, I see, and I see yes on see. But what I also see is the passion of our community to voice their concerns about our, our environment. But I think what's important is we, we need to bring everybody together about this issue and how to properly protect our environment. We need to bring all the cities and the counties and take the passion that you have for yes and see and get more facts to properly protect our environment together, all of us. Not the me versus you effect, but how can we make the measures even better that benefits both our economy and our environment at the same time? So I just, I don't think the initiative is the best process. I'd like to see a better version of it and working together more collaboratively. So are you for or against it? At this moment, um, I'd say I'd like to see a better version, so be against this current initiative. Thank you. Yeah, you know, Measure G is a really difficult um, proposition. Uh, I'm, um, I haven't taken a stance on this yet either. Uh, I, I'm concerned about the, uh, the language in the, in the measure and, uh, and what it accomplishes. Uh, that being said, I also believe that the county needs to do more in terms of uh, their efforts uh, to protect our watersheds. And I, I believe they need to, to work uh, to reevaluate their erosion control plans. Um, I, I think they need to consider a, a more robust uh, monitoring uh, program. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see how some of that shakes out and have some more conversations. I, it's, it's a little, um, it, it concerns me because I think it's getting very politicized and, and that's, uh, as we've already seen it in the courts, and that's, um, and that's unfortunate, but uh, that's sort of the nature of land use. And, and so uh, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm still having conversations with some of the supervisors, but there is definitely work to be done in watershed protection. And so at, um, you know, whether this passes or fails, uh, the goals it seeks to accomplish need to still be accomplished. Thank you. In, in time, we're not going to open up debate on this question. We will move on to Measure D, unless there is a significant audience interest on this specific issue. Well, can we move on to Measure D? Measure, move on? Okay. So next one, we will move on to Measure D. And do we all know what it is in the audience? Okay. I'm going to read it real quick. Amending Napa County Code Section 18... Amending Napa County Code to disallow the use of personal airports and helipads and to limit the circumstances under which helicopter takeoffs and landings in support of direct agricultural activities may take place. We will start this time with Ricky. We'll start with Ricky to answer this question. I'll just leave it simple. I haven't taken a position on this. Okay, we'll move on to, move on to Bernie. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't really looked at to measure the, uh, I've heard a little bit about it, but 
not enough to take a position of it. So I'm going to pass and, and come back at a later time to, you know, get more information and make a decision on it. Thank you. Uh, this one I have studied and I'm completely against uh, the additional heliports in the valley. Thank you. Okay. Um, I wish, well, I, I, this is issue has been talked about a lot in our community. I've been to many meetings at the Napa County Board of Supervisors. I've heard from uh, the people that are pursuing a helicopter pad right now, the PAWMAWs. I've heard their consultants testify. Much like the people who are opposing Measure C, the people that are opposing the helicopters are using misinformation. They claim that um, his helicopter is quieter than a Tesla. Um, <laughs> so when we think about these wineries that want to get helicopter pads, you have to think about what are they going to use that for? Are we going to be seeing wine tours of people being escorted from the Napa airport to these elite boutique wineries on a helicopter? Are, is that what we're going to be waking up to Saturday morning instead of hot air balloons helicopter rides? If somebody wants to have a helicopter pad, go move out to the airport. Buy, buy a spot next to the airport and build it out there. But to come out to these neighborhoods, like they are out off of Hagen Road, where families have been out there for decades, and this guy wants to put in a personal airport. That's what a helicopter pad is. It's a personal, air, it's an airport that's gonna be in this area. So Measure D would make this type of land use illegal here in Napa. So I am gonna vote yes on Measure D to stop the threat of helicopters from invading our beautiful Napa Valley skyways. Thank you. So there's such a threat of helicopters taking over our valley. Do you know how many applications there have been in the history of applications for helico heli helicopter pads in Napa? Three. One, there's just the one that's currently pending, the Palmas one. That's what this initiative is all about. I don't think the initiative process is the appropriate tool to solve this. Um, you know, we're, we're putting in a, a nail with a jackhammer instead of a hammer. Um, I am I'm opposed to this. Well, I know if you're opposed to this, I mean, we have a, a problem here in Napa where if somebody leaves office early, they fill these seats by appointment. And if you don't, why, why not appreciate the initiative process? If, if over 3,000 people from Napa sign their name on an initiative that says, we do not want helicopter pads permitted throughout Napa County. Why don't you like that process? If you were appointed to the Napa Board of Supervisors, would you approve the Palmas helipad? No. All right, with that, we will close discussion on Measure D, and we're going to move on to the audience questions. We got a good amount of them, a lot of questions. I wish we can go through all of them. We picked out a couple, and I'm going to read the first one. According to Cope Family Center, 360 cases of child abuse were reported last year in Napa. That is almost one a day. What do you feel we can do better as a community to lower the cases of child abuse in Napa? And we will start with Vice Mayor Mott. It's funny I haven't heard that statistic, which is upsetting, honestly. Um, 
you know, so again, a little bit of a challenge in terms of the, 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 the forum we're in where we're, um, uh, we're running candidates for the city council and most of the social services programs are under the, the board of supervisors in the county. That being said, I think, um, I think we certainly need more awareness of what is going on specifically in uh, our community. Uh, I'm you know, fully aware uh, and, and know about COPE, um, and I'm the vice mayor, and yet I'm not aware of these statistics in, in, uh, in our community. So, you know, if there's, I think that's the, the greatest need is to be able to figure out that, that, that ability to get out and make people more aware, because I believe we certainly have a community that, um, as I talked about earlier, where there would be uh, efforts among everybody to, uh, to make a difference to, to reduce it. Thank you. Could you repeat the question, please? Yeah. <clears throat> According to Cope Family Center, 360 cases of child abuse were reported last year in Napa. That is almost one a day. What do you feel we can do better as a community to lower the cases of child abuse in Napa? Well, I mean, if there's been that many reported, I mean, what are the police doing to address these reports? I think if I was on the city council, I would form a citizen's advisory task force where I would have the police chief with a, a member that is appointed from the Napa City Council to take on the situation, to have meetings, town halls, to bring in experts, to take a look at what other cities have done to combat this issue, what are the best practices that we could do in Napa. But if these numbers are real, I, I, would, I would be talking to our police department and our sheriff department about what they're doing to, um, to answer these calls, to check on them, to make sure if somebody is abusing children in Napa that they are incarcerated and stopped. So if, if this number is true and so forth, I, I think we should form a task force to deal with it and find the best practices. Thank you. To some extent, the city doesn't have a lot of power over it. Social services are a function of the county, um, but the city does play a role in the process um, as evidenced by the Kaylee Slusher case. I mean, that's a, that was a, a terrible incident where the police department did get involved with, um, with such a case. And it's a tragedy, but you know, I think James is right. I think we need to look into it. I think we need to do more research into what's causing this problem in our community and also look at, at what other communities are doing to solve the problem. And I think information is power. I think information, finding the information and getting it out to the community is probably the best thing that we can do. Thank you. It's interesting because this is the place that I work at and I'm glad that this uh, question came up. Um, I've taken an active role in ensuring that child abuse is prevented in our community at all levels. And there are already, uh, there's already a task force called the Child Abuse Prevention Council run by Cope Family Center, um, where we have members from the district attorney, from probation, uh, and faith-based organizations where we tackle these, these issues. Matter of fact, this month is Child Abuse Prevention Month. That's why I'm wearing my pin. Um, which is called Blue Ribbon Month. In the downtown community, we've reached out to a lot of downtown businesses to continue 
provide advocacy and awareness of this issue. Um, and there's a few businesses that have been supporting. We've also reached out to city council members and supervisors uh, to let them know about upcoming events that have, been that have been happening. Matter of fact, we had a resilient screening that talked about childhood, childhood adverse experiences and the effects of it and how we could be a resilient community to support people that have gone through this. Only one supervisor showed up for a few minutes. That is unacceptable. If we're really serious about this, we need to make sure that we continue working with our public safety officials um, and all levels of, of our community. Thank you. And the next question is on housing. I got a, I have an answer to that. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's all right. I'm quietly listening over here, but I'm paying attention. Um, you know, this, this breaks my heart. One, one child abuses is one too many. And, you know, uh, we have, you know, COPE that does a good job with helping families and educating parents how to be good parents. But there, there's an effect with children are abused and how they look, how they're going to develop as adults. And it's important to create mentors. You know, I've been a big brother for many years and it's important to mentor, to set a good example, you know, to one, prevent it if we can. Unfortunately, it's a very hard thing to do to, to prevent it, but we can continue the fight and support COPE to continue that fight to teach parents and, and create better families. But when we identify the, the, the children, you know, it's important to, to step up as a community and be a mentor so that that child can um, build trust again with adults and become a, a good adult. And, you know, that's what I've been doing for the last several years is, you know, my process trying to be a big brother was heartbreaking because there, was, there were seven kids that I had to choose from. Sorry, this is really, uh, I'm not an emotional guy, but I'm, I'm on stage right now, so bear with me. Uh, there was too many, and I chose uh, Latinos Big Brothers because I want to make a positive influence in, in young Latinos. And these stories I heard were just heartbreaking, you know? And they, they, what they do, they match you with the personality type. And it, there was three kids I had to pick from. I mean, it was so hard to pick, to, you know, these kids had challenges from broken families to, to abuse kids. The kids, if they don't have a mentor, um, then who knows where they, they'd be in life. And they stopped accepting young Latinos, you know, Latino women and, 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 and kids because there wasn't enough adults stepping up to be a mentor, you know. And that's something, as a, as a city council person, you know, you can't vote on that, but definitely we'll use influence to, to help other people to step up. Thank you. The next question is on housing. If 46,000 people work in the wine industry and 13,000 in hospitality, how can you supply homes for these 59,000 people? Will you advocate high-rise buildings like the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco? And we will start with Mary. That seems a little out of place in Napa, but I like the idea of providing housing for people who are in the hospitality industry. I was just talking to um, Chef Charlie Palmer recently. I got to meet him. He just opened his restaurant in downtown, and he's working on a project right now where he is um, 
they're you know they're putting together a, a hotel and as part of it they're also putting in next to it a dormitory style building for the hospitality workers who are working there and it's it's brilliant it's easy it's something that we could do to address this problem um, and I think it's something we need to be considering it doesn't have to be a you know 50-story high-rise building but we could start going up downtown I think we need to we need to look at our density um, and we need to start thinking outside the box Thank you. Ricky? Yeah, I think uh, we definitely need to have uh, greater dens density uh, buildings. Um, sky rises, I don't know, but we need to make sure that we do and that, that we use whatever space available. There's the RUL, there's the Act Preserve that limits us very much so as to building new housing, but there's still an opportunity to, to do it. And we need to make sure that the Vintners, they've done a great job in supporting uh, our community um, through providing housing and uh, funding, but we need to make sure as we continue to start developing more hotels in our community that we are looking at lodging industry as well and make sure that we have workforce housing um, for our community, again, we need to have people that work where they live. It's simple as that. I'll make sure that I'll, I'm an advocate for that. Thank you. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. If 46,000 people work in the wine in industry and 13 in hospitality, how can you supply homes for those 59,000 people? Will you advocate high-rise buildings like the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco? Well, one of the things I like to address, and I was talking to somebody in the member of the audience, is, you know, it's it's hard to live in Napa in such some some of these jobs because it's such low wage. But how do you address that? You know, in my experience, when I was growing up with my with my, my family, we, we all had low wage jobs. But the only way to move up was through opportunities. Taking advantage of those opportunities, building your skill level, get, getting better, earning more, you know, and and, and be able find a place to live where you work and you know a lot of people don't have the opportunity so as a councilman we have to create those opportunities and it goes back to what i said earlier is design how we design building to to create more density but in a way that is lower cost we we encourage the builder to to design for for our needs and identify the areas within the city that we can encourage more density you know as we develop the the city City, the new city, city hall, um, we're gonna use swing space. One of the swing space areas is the corporate yard on um, Lincoln and South School, and I really like that place for higher density housing once uh, we're done using it for swing space. If that, if, you know, if we end up using it for swing space, that's the conversation. But that area will be a great place because we have high density roads, we have a neighboring business community, and there's not necessarily neighbors right around there. So we identify these areas, we aggressively go after these areas so we can build for our workforce. Thank you. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we need to work on solutions. Uh, we, we, can't, we can't affordable housing our way out of this. One, the funding's too, too restricted. Uh, it's too hard to build enough units. So when you hear those numbers, we have to be building uh, or we have to be finding ways to create solutions that put people into market rate housing 
first-time homebuyer programs and market-rate apartments. Uh, the county and the, and the, uh, the, the vineyard owners uh, came up with a program, CSA4 program, that self-taxes them based on how much acreage they have to, to create work, uh, housing, uh, again, for, uh, for vineyard workers. That's the kind of creative solutions we need here because most of the hotel rooms are going to be built in the city of Napa. That's part of our agreement with the county. And so as we build more hotel rooms here and have more of that lodging industry here, we need to solve that with the industry. And again, this is what I'm working on in terms of a self-taxing program similar to the CSA4 program that will let them self-tax themselves and put that money aside, but not for just affordable housing, for, for first-time homebuyer programs for their employees, for subsidy, rental subsidy programs so that they can go into market rate housing and not, you know, still be challenged to try to put a family of five into a, you know, a three bedroom house or two bedroom house because that's the only affordable housing they can get. So it's got to be a different solution. We have, these numbers are too big just to work through the affordable housing program part of it. We need to work with the industries themselves to create new solutions, again, that will partner with them and they recognize it. They, if they create housing, they get better employees. If they create housing that people own, they get lifetime employees because those people are going to stay here in our community. They're going to go to our schools, which is another problem because they're losing so many students. So again, those are solutions that I'm working on that uh, we have to ask the county to help with and, uh, and solve this problem. Thank you. So there is going to be a chance in November to vote to repeal the state law Costa Hawkins which put a moratorium of having comprehensive rent control on commercial apartment buildings. So if you're going to build these apartment buildings in Napa, we need to vote to repeal Costa Hawkins so the city council can protect the service workers that are going to be renting these, these rooms so that they know that when they get off work after 40 hours a week, they're going to have enough money to pay their rent and to pay their insurance payments, make sure they can furnish food for their children and so forth. So if you really want to take care of the service workers, not only do we have to build these um, infill, high-end, I don't know how big the property is in San Francisco, but we can go as high as the hotels are going in Napa. If you're going to build a hotel that high, you should be able to build a housing unit that high. And I think we need to take a look at this whole Airbnb movement. We've lost a lot of houses to the Airbnb. People who can have the access to the money are buying up the houses and they are not going to service workers, they're going to people who are on vacation and are coming here. Our housing stock is going because we have this model where people can buy a house, turn it into an Airbnb and make a profit. And this is taking our houses off the market. If we continue to look the other way while well, people are buying up the houses and turning it into Airbnb, our housing problems are going to grow for service workers here in Napa. Thank you. And the final question for the night is, are you for or against the proposed Napa Civic Center Complex and why? And we will start with Bernie. So this is a very comprehensive project that the city has put a lot of time into. And if we don't build it, the cost to renovate the current city hall will be 
about $77 million from, revenue, from, from our funds that we haven't created new revenue for. And, the, and we continue to pay for maintenance of that building and the other buildings that we're gonna look to consolidate. We're gonna spend a lot of money to, for those leases. So at some point, we're gonna have to build a new city hall. Right now, interest rates are low. At some point, we will, or keep renovating an old building. So, you know, I, I like the city hall project. You know, I, as an elected council member, I will look at it closely, make sure that the funds we use to construct this stays in, in, in our local economy. I want a local job force to, to work there and make sure that there's benefits or, to our, to our um, local economy. You know, so right now, I'm, I'm for it. Thank you. Well, as I said on the council, and I've been voting for it, I'm for it. Um, I will tell you that this is the, the most expensive and the most complex projects we've ever done in the city of Napa. Um, we, as, and Bernie's done his homework, he's exactly right. We have deteriorating facilities. We're spread out throughout the community. We either have to keep putting Band-Aids and keep putting Band-Aids till all the Band-Aids fall off or we have to commit to doing something new. Our, um, this is the third, in 12 years, this is the third city hall I've seen. So the others didn't get this far, but we proposed them, we talked about them, and we ultimately didn't move forward because the economy wasn't strong enough because other issues had to be addressed first or, or you know, again, a city hall is the last thing that you want to vote to uh, approve in your community because there's always more to do for the community. That being said, we believe that we put together a very strong program, and, and it takes a lot of charts to show all this, you can see it all online, but where as the super block gets developed, and we do bond financing, and we, and we, we fund the, super, the city hall, there is a crossover point about 12 years out where the revenue coming in pays for the expenses of developing the city hall. So, this isn't 30 years of paying and, and, and not getting any return on it where you, if like you're building your house. We have a, we have a crossover point 12 years out where uh, that revenue um, uh, is, sustains the, the cost of the bond financing and, and the funding required to do it. We have staff that is in ridiculously decrepit facilities with boxes everywhere. It's not how they should be, have to work. We need to find new facilities. I think we're doing a beautiful job. I am concerned of what, we haven't got the, the construction cost yet, and I'm very nervous about that, but we'll be seeing that uh, later on this year, and then we'll have to make a decision. Thank you. So this has been a hot topic for my campaign. I have a couple videos on Facebook discussing this, this issue. I've been to all the meetings where they've been talking about it, and I keep asking some questions to the council that they don't want to answer. Uh, Councilman Mott just said that the revenue coming in from the hotel is going to pay for the new ivory tower. And what I'm asking is, who is the hotel developer? Does the city have a developer? And if not, why don't they? They, they put out this RFP uh, about two years ago, several Hotels have looked at it and dropped it. Why are hotel developers dropping this opportunity to build a hotel in the middle of our downtown? 
there are a ton of projects backed up at the planning department for new hotels. So why doesn't anybody want to take on this project? Do they have a residential developer? And a big question is, it's, this, it's called the super block. There's going to be a, a, a civic center that houses everybody of our services on one corner. And then the current block with City Hall and the police station, that's going to be turned in to the super block with the 275 hotel and 110 rooms. So is that project prevailing wage or not? That's a question everybody wants to know. Is the super block a prevailing wage project or not? Why is, who is the hotel developer? Who is the residential developer? And these questions are not being answered at the city council. The mayor's not answering it. Peter Mott's not answering it. Nobody is answering the questions. So another problem's come up. The fires have made the cost of building go up because Silverado Country Club is paying a premium price to draw builders out there to build custom homes. So even if the city's paying prevailing wage, are they going to be able to draw the workforce in to build this? Thank you. So this project is a great opportunity for all of the city buildings in the downtown core to be consolidated. Um, it's a project that could provide good, well-paying jobs and affordable housing. Unfortunately, instead of keeping the project simple and focused, the city has brought in a private developer and given them a long list of things to accomplish in the project, a list that's been growing every day. Originally, the plan was to build a new city hall. Great. Then we added a police station. Okay. Then we moved it to another block so that we could put up a hotel to, on the current site to help pay for the project. And we're going to have to build out temporary office spaces while we wait at the cost of over $3 million, probably a lot more. And we're going to have to build out a temporary police station now on Jefferson Street. Then we added a new fire department. Then instead of consolidating, we're actually going to expand the square footage of office space that we need. And then we added a 271 space parking garage to Clay Street. And then to make the affordable housing advocates like me happy, they added 100 units of housing. And then to keep the locals happy, they added a grocery store and a restaurant and a bar. And while everybody's head is spinning, trying to keep up with what's going on in this very complex project, the costs of construction have gone up and up. When this was, we were first talking about this when I was on city council and it was a $50 million project to build a new city hall. Great. Now it's $110 million minimum and that's not even, as Pete said, including all of the construction costs, which are, which are probably gonna be more. And that's just with the city hall, that's not the super block site. We don't need another hotel or a restaurant or a bar. We don't need to move the fire department. We don't need this project to be so big if all we're trying to do is build a new city hall. Um, so to answer your question, it's more than just a yes or no question. Yes, I do want a new city hall. We, I think our city deserves it. But no, I don't agree with the project as it's currently designed. Thank you. There's definitely deteriorating infrastructure uh, within the city limits, and some of those include our uh, city services. So I, I believe that we really need to consolidate some of those services, such as the city hall provides um, to ensure that uh, the, delivery, the delivery of quality services to the community um, are as efficient. Um, the civic 
center construction costs have definitely gone up. Um, last time I checked, they were about $90 million. So here in 110, it's, uh, it's a little, little uh, heartening to hear. Um, it's going to be a, an expensive commitment, um, but I definitely do want to make sure that our community and our public uh, get the most that they, they need and that they should get and that our city staff are equipped with the appropriate um, equipment to deliver their services. Also with the police department, been having a few conversations with a couple people and we, after the 2014 earthquake, we def definitely need some support and with the growing staff of the police department, we need to make sure that we have them staffed and that they have the deliveries and services that they, they need. Um, so I'll leave it at that. It is a, it's a very hard and complex issue, um, but as it stands right now, uh, I'm, a, I'm undecided. Thank you. We are getting close to our, our allotted ending time, but we will open it up for debate for a few minutes, and then there'll be closing statements from each candidate, a brief ending. So we will go over about, about 10, 15 minutes, if that's okay with everybody. So does anyone want to open? All right. Let me respond to a couple things real quick. So, and this will be very hard to do in two minutes. So this project's done under the umbrella of what's called DBFOB, which is design, build, operate, and design, build, finance, operate, and maintain. That is a construction sort of plan that says we pick, and we had a choice of two different people, and we laid out everything, including what they had to include and what, what we need. Here's what we need. But we don't tell them exactly how they have to do every part of it. They get to pick their own team. We had to approve it. So the, the, we picked the plenary group. They have to design. They have to come up with the, with the design-build program. Design-build means you get time to kind of work things out and find out what works. Finance means you can add and subtract parts as they go along. What they have to do is come back to the city council regularly and show us updates about how they're accomplishing all these different things. We have dead end dates as we go along where they have to do certain things, certain design dates. The fact is they had a hotel operator from almost from the get-go and a housing developer, but as it went along, they didn't like those two parts, their two partners, and they dropped them and they, they are now with looking at new partners for both aspects of that, of that part of the project. They're close to selecting a hotel flag for it it just isn't done yet. You can't answer because we don't have one yet. Okay. They Thank don't you. have one yet. So just the rest of it is, the, it, it, it's, the best way I can put this is it's a work in project, progress. They're not required to get all this detail to us till a little bit further down the road. They're required to meet certain mandates and certain timelines. Is it prevailing Thank wage? You. That hasn't been established yet outside of the, the city hall is prevailing wage. It hasn't been established whether they're doing prevailing wage on the super block yet. Does any other candidate want to well, briefly speak on this? And um, I noticed uh, Ricky Hurtado mentioned that it would increase the city's ability to provide services. Yet that's never been proven. Having the Parks and Rec and the Water Department under one roof, there's no proof that that imp improves the city's ability to provide services. And when you talk about the police station, from the police that I've talked to, and they come all the time at the shopping center when I'm collecting signatures, and after we get done talking about my right to be there, we always talk about, what's it like to be a police officer in Napa? 
and what do you think about the new police station? So the police that I've talked to, they'd like to stay in the station they're at, they'd like to fix up some of the, the holes in the wall and refurbish it, but they like to have their privacy. A lot of times they could be bringing somebody back to interrogate them, and they might not want to be subjecting these people to the Parks and Rec Department or the Water Department and so forth. And I feel we should be just, if the police need, department needs to fix a hole in the wall or something like that needs to be patched up and their building needs to be refurbished, I think we'd be better off doing that than trying to get this civic center where we have, because you know, part of the project with the civic center is housing the police vehicles where they all have this secured parking on this one little block along with everybody else. And it's really hard to manage this. So I think we're better off just to fix up where we're at now with the police and stay there. Thank you. I know I think Mary wants to talk real quick. I just want to ask everybody in here, please go to the website. It's www.napaciviccenter.com. Read about it. It's a really complex project. It changes, I think, every week. Um, but see for yourself. We're, we as a community need to be paying attention to this. Um, I feel like it's getting pushed through very quickly and people aren't allowed to question what's going on and there really hasn't been a lot of community discussion about it. And it's probably the biggest project like this that our community's ever seen. Um, and we're about to go into extreme debt to pay for it. And we're getting to the point now where we can't stop this train. We need to pay attention and we need to pay attention right now. Thank you. Ricky? Bernie? No, I, I would want to clarify your question earlier because I thought you opened up for discussion and yeah. other issues. Other I just events. want to give each candidate one last chance to talk on this, then we're going to go to closing remarks. So um, if you want, okay. Ricky, you want to, okay. We will start off with James Hinton on a two minute closing of why you should be elected to city council. Well, I've been going to virtually every city council meeting for the last four years. I've been to a lot of Board of Supervisors meetings, almost all of them. I've been to lots of planning commission meetings, school board meetings. Uh, this is my fourth time hanging out with the uh, trustee from our college board. I've been to the first three college board meetings this year in January, February, and March, trying to follow the action on the college bond they're, they're pursuing. And whether or not you vote for me or somebody else, for city council. I'm going to keep going back to the city council every meeting no matter what to keep um, advocating for changes that are going to improve our community. A lot of people aren't willing to tackle tough issues and take brave steps forward like regulating cannabis or building higher homes, asking that there be more af affordable housing and, and, and making sure these, these details in the contracts I'm going to be looking at these details. And if I'm your city council member, you know, my voice is going to be stronger and we're going to have a better chance at securing better deals for our city in the future, especially on our water. We really need to take a look at our water and make sure that we preserve it, that we make sure that uh, when we process it and clean it, that we're not leaving any chemicals in there that are going to be detrimental to us and our kids and our animals. We really got to watch this stuff because our water quality is deteriorating and there's no guarantee that we won't have more droughts in the future and so forth. So I, I'm really running because I grew up here. I went to school here. I go to these meetings. I'm not going anywhere, you know. There's a cement factory trying to come in on the Napa River up in Vallejo. I'm out in Vallejo trying to stop that project too. 
There are refineries trying to get expanded permits right across the mouth of the Napa River, Phillips 66. I'm trying to stop those too. I mean, there's a lot we can do. I have a lot of endorsements throughout the Bay Area from elected members for the Richmond City Council, the mayor of Dixon, members of the Vallejo School Board, and I'm gonna keep working to solve these regional issues. Thank you. My turn. Having worked the past decade with families, businesses, and individuals here in Napa, I truly understand what the challenges are that our community faces, and I have real solutions. I have the passion, the experience, and the skills to do the job, and I look forward to earning your vote. Thank you so much for having us tonight, um, and remember to vote, because that's how we control the future of our city. Thank you. Just want to take the time to thank the college and the student government for providing and giving us this opportunity to all of us, to all the candidates. I mean, lifelong Knappen, who is ready to provide a fresh perspective here in our city council as being the youngest candidate in this field here, want to make sure that we provide uh, an opportunity to all members of our community. Living through poverty here in our Napa Valley, I know firsthand what those tough challenges are. Living as an immigrant, I know what those tough challenges are. Living as a son of a farm worker, I know what those tough challenges are. I know what our whole community needs, and I need to make sure, and I will make sure that I'm the voice for all of you. As I continue my campaign for Napa City Council, my number one priority here is to listen to you, the voters, the residents of the city of Napa, about concerns, challenges, or issues you face in your neighborhood or in the city of Napa. I'm committed to working hard for all of our community, for your interests, and I look, meet, look forward really to meeting you as I continue going door to door, listening to issues, and I hope you join our campaign because our campaign is the voice of our community. This is a campaign from the community and for the community as having been someone who was born and raised here in the city of Napa. Thank you and I hope to earn your support. Thank you. Stand up and sit down too long. I just wanna thank everybody for, for being here in the college for this opportunity to, to address you and why I'm running. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm running because of the opportunities the city gave my family and me. And as a Iraq War veteran, as a business owner, as a father, and as a homeowner, there's a lot of issues that concern me, from helping veterans to helping people become homeowners and protecting the local businesses. There's a lot of things that concern me, and I have, I have the experience to follow up with those issues and find a solution with all of you. It's all of you I want to work with. I want to work for you, so when you vote, Think about checking that box next to Bernie because all I want to do is give back to the community. I feel it's a civic duty to serve all of you. I'm not doing this for, as a stepping stone to a higher office or to be popular. I'm doing this to give back to my community, to work for you with passion and honor as I served in my country and I want to serve, for, I want to serve Napa. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, let me say that Again, I, I hope you appreciate the passion that everybody up here has. Uh, running for office is a difficult thing to do. I've done it a number of times, and, and so I appreciate them being up here. The, it, it's great to see young people that, the, the, and the passion about running for office. The, the, the challenge to that is, is that you're still involved in families. You're still involved uh, in your businesses. 
uh, it, it takes a great deal of time to learn and understand the, the workings of, of, of the city. Uh, the, you, we talked just barely about the City Hall project. I've, I've studied the City Hall project now for months and months and months to understand it, and it moves every, every week. Uh, it changes. You have to spend the time to do that. I had to work to kind of come up with creative solutions for our problem with, with housing with our, our hotel properties. I worked with and talked with Clay Gregory about that because he understands a lot of that. So you have to create situations where you can work with supervisors, you can work with Bill Dodd and, and our, our assembly member. Those kind of relationships and that ability to create solutions are what makes a strong council member. You have to be able to do the time. And so I'm, a, I'm in a place in my life now uh, my, my kids are, are grown and in college. Um, I'm reducing my time involved in my business so I can spend more time with the city. And so I hope you will look to me to continue uh, the path that I've been on because I've spent a great deal of time, 12 years now, understanding all about sanitation and water and affordable housing and all the issues that come with being involved with the city. And you will have two votes this November. Uh, you'll have two opportunities, you'll have two council members to elect. I ask you to make me one of them. Thank you. Thank you. Can we get a huge round of applause for the candidates up here tonight? <laughs> Today marks a beginning down a journey that will continue. As student leaders, we recognize that there is no better involvement than community involvement and no one better than a community college to involve the community. And it's that very realization that led to tonight's event. Before ending tonight, I want to thank Matt Cowell up in the booth for helping us with planning and designing. I want to recognize the group of students that are responsible for making this event possible. Marcos Coronado, he is, he's over there. Sorry, director of events. It was his planning and persistence that led to tonight's wonderful evening. Ilo Jessotico, right over there next to him. He's our Director of Public Affairs. It was his creative mind behind the media outlet for this event. And I'm fortunate enough to moderate tonight. I hope you all have a better understanding of who your candidates are and the issues that Napa is facing. Oh yeah, Anthony, I wanna thank Anthony for timing. Thank you for coming out and have a good night.